Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Amen, amen, amen. Welcome, welcome. Good morning, Love Life. I'm glad y'all are here. I hope that first time here that you experience a, a joyful, exciting, fun place to be. There are certain things that you want to take you want to take after as far as from your parents. Not a whole lot, but there are certain things. And one of the things that I was in my home, what I was raised in, is everybody in the neighborhood wanted to hang out in my house. Everybody. They because my mom. I mean, I don't care who it was, she'd be cooking you stuff, she'd be making you feel like, I mean, she'd be throwing me out of the house and treating them better than me. And, but everybody loved, everybody loved to be in my house. And, and it was so wonderful. And I, and I had a friend that um, I grew up with, and, and his mom was a little different. Oh, just the most loving, loving lady. And I'm telling you, she, she, she would cook you anything. But she had two rooms in her house that you would call the family room and the living room that had plastic all over it. You ever seen that? You'd think only grandmas use it. But his mom put plastic over it, and man, you were so uncomfortable. You didn't want, she had a plastic walkway over the carpet, and you had to stay on that thing. Oh my gosh, I thought, man, no one wanted to hang out there. No, you know, with the, the, you know, she made tamales or something, it was fun, but you didn't want to hang out in the room, you wanted to go outside as fast as possible. Anybody know anybody like that? Or maybe that's your house, but either way, point is. But that, that was crazy because I thought about, I don't want my house here. I don't want love life to ever feel like there's plastic everywhere. I want, you know what I'm saying? You know, I want people to come in and feel like, you know, man, is it time to leave? I don't want to go, you know. But the thing is, is this is how, listen, this is how every church should be. Every church should, how in the world does the world judge a church in the way they do? And I can tell you there's only one word. It's called religion. Religion will always produce those results, always, because you'll never be good enough. Never. It's impossible. And even when you're good, you're not. So what we want to present is, is God in the correct way. And that is, when we're talking about love, we're talking about him. See, let me explain. God is love. Everybody say God is love. That is so important to understand because then you can follow with that, and that is this. God defines love. Love does not define God. God defines love. Always remember that because People have all kinds of different viewpoints of love or how they view God as love. They can be the most, living the most degrading life and say, God is love. But God's one who defines love. And I want to operate in his love because that's the only thing that will bring freedom in your life. The only thing. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. What do you want in your life? I mean, think about it. If we're looking at this correctly, and I believe we're doing a good job here. But if we're looking at this correctly, this is about Monday morning, right? Or when you leave here, Sunday afternoon, because we don't have Sunday afternoon service. And all of a sudden, you start realizing this information is not about a church service. This information is about life. And if you can allow it, it can help you. It can tweak your life. It can adjust it. It has the information to give you clarity and purpose in every single thing you do. And that's what we should be receiving from this. Now, I understand this is seen mainly as a religious book. And most people operate it religiously. Rarely do people even read it. And if they do, it's so that God won't get mad at them. So I'll read today. And it's all received in a wrong understanding. And when you start looking at it correctly as, as a letter to you concerning your life, when you start seeing this as something that will benefit, bless you, heal, set free, restore, whole, when you start looking at it that way, it's important reading. 
It's like, I want to be able to get this information so it can help my marriage, so it can help my family, so I, so I can be a great dad, so I can be a good boss, so I, can get, so I can be the best employee, so I can be someone that is relevant in society. Not existing, because that's, that's the culture of, of, of most everybody on this planet. They exist. They, they're born on this earth, and they're going to die. And that's their legacy. I'm talking about the most, most everybody on this planet. But see, that's not God, and that's not God's calling on any one of us. He's called us, and he has an expectation, a high expectation for each and every one of you. And last week, that's what we did. I showed you, if we're talking about the church, the Bible church, we're talking about a life of expectancy and purpose and destiny for every one of you. You don't have to be an eloquent speaker. I'm not. You don't have to be filled with Bible college knowledge. You don't have to have memorized scripture. None of that. What you have to know is God, when you received Jesus, put you in his body and said, you're not only needed, you're wanted, and I expect great things for your life. Why? Because he looks at the body and he does that exact same thing. He sits there and says, and here is the church. Look at a body. The hand is important. The feet are important. The knees are important. The arm is important. Every part of the body is important. Some are not seen. Some are seen. Some are not used right now, but they'll be used later. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? In a little while, my stomach muscles are going to be used in a great way. My mouth is going to be operating at a high level. Intensity. Focused in on its specific destiny of eating a Freddy's burger. We just had a Freddy's open up, man. I just had one of those yesterday. And I go, well, I'm too, I was here at church, and I thought, well, I'll just drop by there because it's just open. And I got one of their, have you ever had a Freddy's burger, their steak burgers? Man, those are good. So I, I get that, and, and, and man, I'm thinking, man, this is good stuff. I like this. So I, I asked my boy, I said, what do you guys want for lunch? Freddy's. I go, what? You don't even know what it is. Yeah, but we want it. You had it. So I'll be doing Freddy's again. So all I'm saying is, this isn't a promotion. I don't get any money for it, by the way. <laughs> and you might not even like it, but whatever. The, but the thing is, is see, right now, you know, it, there's certain things that are being used that are important right now. And that's what we do is, is in, see, religiously, or we get this freaky, weird view of spiritualism and we start looking and lifting this thing up as that's spiritual and I'm not. In other words, that's important, I'm not. But, oh my gosh, but this is how you do it. You define that as that's how God thinks. That's how God feels. That pastor, that person, they know the Bible, they're spiritual, they memorize scripture. You know what? I've been doing this thing for a long time now. As far as I'm concerned, it's quite a while. I'm not a noob. But I can tell you right now, I've seen some messed up Christians, Christians that had alcohol problems, drug problems, and they had memorized scripture, thousands of scriptures memorized. Blew me away on their ability to memorize scripture. And they had some of the worst, disgusting lives. So what does that mean? It means that that scripture don't do anything until it gets here. You can have it all memorized up here all you want. But until it gets here, it ain't go nothing. Nothing. It's like a seed in a package up here. And until it's planted, it ain't going to grow. It ain't going to grow. Amen? Got to get planted in the heart. I don't know why this Christian thing don't work. This still, you know why? Because you got seed up there. It's rattling in your head. You, all you got is like watermelon. Say, shh. I don't know where's the watermelon. Shh. The pastor said there's going to be watermelons. Shh, I don't taste no watermelons. Shh, plant the sucker. Get the seed in the ground. And until it gets into good ground, it ain't going to produce no watermelon. All you're going to be able to do is watching other people. Be, they're better than me. They're that. No, you just got to plant the watermelon. Now I want watermelon. So we're talking about the church, and, and first and foremost, I want you to say, I, I just want you to remember, if you weren't here last week, we just, we just looked at the scripture that said, listen, quit defining yourself by someone else. 
God placed you in the body. And if you're not doing whatever, if you're not experiencing whatever, the point is, is if you don't do something, if you don't put it to action, and if it's not used, nothing will happen. That's why everybody's valuable. Everybody. Once you get engaged, listen, that's the key, not engagement, marriage, but once you get engaged to this thing, that means you start saying, you know what, I'm going to start doing something. That's when you start seeing fruit happen. Because everything about the kingdom is doing something. Faith, hope, all those things are verbs. They're action words. God doesn't look at sitting back and waiting. Oh, by the way, the Hebrew word for wait is a verb. You ever heard someone going, I'm just waiting on the Lord? That's religion. It is. It's completely. If you look at the Hebrew language, it means do something. So why, they, why do they translate it wait? Because their concept of wait was, is they're going to operate and it's going to come. That's the concept of it. Religiously, we read it, wait on the Lord. Okay, I'm going to just hang out here until something happens. It's not what the scripture teaches. See, the problem is this. We have so many scriptures that this is what people are doing. They self-translate. God isn't going to bend to your viewpoint. His, his is truth. So if you say two plus two equals five, that's on you, not him. And you can believe it all you want, but nothing's going to happen. You're messed up. So you've got to line up with his truth. And that's when things change. This is the issue of religion is they've got so many viewpoints, nothing's working, and we define God that way. Of course you don't want to go to church. It sucks. Of course it's not relevant. It's religion. Of course they're judgmental. It's religion. Legalistic. Looking always to focus in on your deeds that are wrong, not their deeds that are wrong. And that's the way a lot of people live their lives. Listen, that's our culture. We always want to look bad at the or negative at the other thing. We don't want us to seem that way, but we want to do this. That's what social media has amplified in people's lives. There's no accountability. So you can say anything nasty you want to because no one knows your name or address. I guarantee you stop 99% of it by making everybody have to put their name and address. And you ain't going to hear all this nasty. Because what it's like liquid courage. You ever hear of that? Oh, man. I, you don't know how many guys I grew up, you know, in high school and stuff. They were the punks of the earth until they got drunk. And they got beat up all the time. They got liquid courage. They got drunk, and all of a sudden, they become tough. I remember guys on the football team, guy, all the time, just, they were nothing, and then everybody had to fight because they got drunk. Because all of a sudden, they're all tough. I mean, this is ridiculous. But that's how people are on social media. Just, bah, 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 bah. oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But see, this is it. If you don't have, if you can hide you can be as tough as you want. Why? Because there's no accountability. And see, what we have to do is we have to look at this society correctly. They need help. Why? Because I needed help once. And this truth has helped me. It's brought freedom in my life. Now, it's, it's taken quite a few years to get to the place I'm at. But you know what? The journey's worth it. I've had ups and downs. I've had trip ups. I've had to, you know, climb myself out of messes. But you know what? I keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. The heart matters with God. The heart matters. And as long as you're continuing to focus on that, things will turn around. It's his word. It's what he says. So we look at that and we start realizing, okay, we're the body of Christ. Our, our, one of the major responsibility as believers is what? To be builders, encouragers, to lift one another up. And I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture, and that's what we did. We went through all kinds of scriptures that talked about edify, build, encourage. And you can't find one scripture where God says, tear someone down, talk bad about someone. Nowhere. Isn't that interesting? And you know how many Christians will use negative talk and tie it to the Holy Spirit? They'll use evil communication to tie it to, I'm just being foresight in spiritualism and you ask them where's the scripture on that 
And not one of those people can give you the scripture that backs up that type of attitude. You ain't gonna find it. God is not a part of that mess. Now, if you're gonna talk nasty, own up to it. Well, you know what, I'm a believer, I love Jesus, but I just want you to know I have no scripture backing, but I think that person sucks. Oh, really? Yeah, do you have any, I mean, do you feel that? No, it's not by the Lord at all, it's just my heart, I can't stand them. That's when you're looking at that Christian going, you're cool, man, I like you. Unless you're talking about me and then I'm gonna punch, no. But you see what I'm saying? In other words, that's reality. But you know what? Super spiritual Christians, they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're going to try to twist it and flip it as in they're spiritual. They just want you to know. Well, you know, we can pray for them. What do we need to pray about? Well, because they're, they're such losers. And, and, God, and God wants to use them and, and, and be mighty in their lives. But they're just so potty and they think they're all that and and I'm better than they are but God loves them that's the nasty Christian and that's what we don't want to be love life is not that way we don't need to be there you want to be nasty then proclaim it hey by the way I'm going to be nasty right now that's own up to it but don't hide behind your fake religion that's the ugly thing because God ain't a part of that at all. And I want to be more like him. Don't you? Don't, I mean, don't Three of us? Where the rest do you want to be like? Mike? <laughs> so, we, so we look at the scripture and we see that God wants us to realize the importance of one another. All right? So we look at the church and the, really the revelation of the church is this. Together. Family. If you Pay attention to Genesis, and you see the beginning of, of, of the human race. It starts with Adam, and what does God say? And God created Adam, male, female, he created them. Isn't that interesting? He creates Adam, but in the creation of Adam, male and female. I, I just find that interesting how God operated. So God isn't doing catch-up. He's doing perfect. And when he created Adam, he had already had foresight of the necessity in that perfection to create woman. I think that's beautiful. But when you pay attention to those words, you start saying, okay, let's look at this now. Because you have Adam in the beginning, and you have all the animals, and Adam is pretty much doing his job naming them all. And ultimately, while Adam's being faithful, Adam's being faithful in doing this, Adam is not going, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm alone. Adam isn't doing anything like that. Adam's not throwing a fit. Adam's not complaining. Adam's living a peaceful life, and he's doing what God's called him to do. And God says, you know what? It's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for him to be. What is he saying? It's not good for anyone to be alone. I'll prove this stuff. And so Adam, God says, it's not good for man to be alone, period. He stops. And then he says, I will make him a helpmate. Bad translation. He's actually saying, I'm going to make an aid, a support, a comfort. I'm going to make in the, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew root word, it literally means I'm going to make a protection, a hedge around him. That's what he's talking about, a woman. I thought a woman was lower than a man. And the man's the head. And the woman needs to walk behind the man. And in that word, where'd you get that? That ain't from normal, everyday. That's from religion. That came from religion. I'm telling you, all this nasty stuff is from religion. Not God's word, which people tie to religion. No. No. It came from dumb men. Telling you the truth. Now, we all know not all men are dumb. But most of those fools are. (laughs) Women, just look straight ahead and say, that guy's cool. That guy's cool. Don't look at your husband right now. 
That's cool. And so what do we do? We, we, we look at the scripture and we see, okay, what did God say? First and foremost, he did not say, this only is in reference to marriage. That's not at all what he did. It's not even in the Hebrew. It's connected to relationship. Because relationship precedes marriage. Because if the relationship ain't good, marriage ain't going to be good. Relationship is the key. And the understanding that we need one another, relationship. And that we're created, our DNA requires relationship. How do I know this? Because every single spiritual truth can be backed up with natural principles and statistics. You want to hear some statistics that are just crazy? First, let me give you scripture. Proverbs 18.1 says this. A person who isolates themselves seeks their own desires. They rage and fight against all wise judgment. That literally means as they, they fight against common sense. Anything that's smart or good, they're going to fight against. Have you ever met someone that really has isolated themselves from people? Are they weird? I mean, do, no, I'm, I'm not talking about someone that, you know, they just like to be alone sometimes. I'm talking about real isolated loners. When you talk, I've talked to two people like that. And I'm telling you right now, one was, this was a long time ago, but one was up in, towards Skull Valley. I was hunting in that area. If you think, what the heck are you doing in Skull Valley? It's actually a city. And I talked to this guy, and I'm telling you, freaky land, freaky weirdo. And half the time he was talking to himself. Yeah, that's what isolation does. Because ultimately, the only person you're listening to is you. So, let me tell you what isolation does. Social isolation, is, you will be twice as likely to die prematurely. You have an increased mortality risk that is comparable to that from smoking. And loneliness is about as twice as dangerous as obesity. Social isolation impairs immune function and boosts inflammation. It leads to arthritis, type 2 diabetes, heart disease. Listen, these are proven facts of what separating yourself from people will do to you. There are no statistics or no facts that say your life becomes stronger and better. You become a weirdo. And your body starts going out of commission. You don't think that's true? Look at elderly people that lose their spouse. Usually, the one follows quickly afterwards. Why? They're isolated. They're separate now because we're not created that way at all. And again, statistics prove that. It's breaking you down. Now, let me show you this. And I said this last week. This is heartbreaking. In all of the United States, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. That's everybody. Teenagers. From 10 years old, I think it was 24. It's the number two leading cause. Did you hear? I'm not talking about a 70-year-old. I'm talking about a prime of life. Kids, young adults. Second leading cause of death, suicide. You tell me why. See, what I see and what I have perceived about this thing is, look at our culture. And what are we doing more than anything? Isolating ourselves. Social media, computers. I was telling the first service, growing up or even 
20, 30 years ago, you go in your neighborhoods, you got to drive slow where kids are playing, riding bikes, throwing footballs. They're, I mean, they're all over the place. I'm talking middle of summer, winter. you got kids playing everywhere. You go to the schools in the summertime, you've got to sit there and wait for people to get done with the baseball fields or whatever. I mean, because people are out playing. This day and age, I'm telling you right now, my neighborhood, I've never seen any kids in my neighborhood. Last week, I got stuck behind a bus first time in my neighborhood. All these years, I've never got stuck behind one of those school buses. The school bus, school bus pulls right in front of my, my neighborhood. 16 kids get out. 16! Never seen them before, ever in my neighborhood. I thought they're busing kids into my neighborhood. What's up with that? These juvenile delinquents? <laughs> no. And they all, they all come into my neighborhood. I'm going, where are these kids? They ain't playing. They're inside their house. And you can't say, well, because it's hot here. Are you kidding me? I used to go barefoot on the concrete in summer, 120, and I'll play basketball on the court. All my buddies, all my friends were. We'd ride bicycles all over the place. This is what we did. We didn't have this stuff. But if we did, I would have been inside too probably. You guys know I'm telling the truth. It's hard to see any type of action of kids playing. This is what's happening. Even communication skills. From when I started church today, it's very difficult to have a conversation with young kids. I, I, I'm talking about junior high teens too. They have a difficulty of carrying a conversation. Why? Oh, I don't know. They don't have the ability to communicate. I even have to have, even parents have to say, well, say hi to pastor. We're not talking about a four-year-old. They're telling their 16-year-old. Oh, what is that? Do you not see a disconnect? Because if you don't, you're part of the problem. We gotta quit this. It's it statistics say it's destroying our society. I'm not putting up with it. Talk to one of my boys. They'll take care of your conversation. They'll lean it to what they want to talk about. That they'll carry a conversation. They'll talk with you. I made it a point for that to happen. I was not going to have them being shell kids or PK kids, preacher kids that had to hide or anything. I wanted them out and about, being able to have fun, talk with people, and enjoy life. Now, they love video games. I love video games. We love doing all that kind of stuff, but we have limits. In other words, we have to be able to interact with people. Parents, come on now. Your responsibility. Listen, I understand it's easy in this day and age to get in front of TV and do your own thing. Oh, man, it got quiet. Well, it's actually been quiet. Parenting was never, ever defined as simple. Downright hard if you want success. I mean hard. But if you want success... You're going to have to invest and sacrifice. But if you want who you are or worse, don't do anything. You might think, why does he get so? He just said his kids are they're doing Because I don't live by my kids. That's part of my life. But my life includes this family. And I want your kids just as successful as mine. Period. That's my heart. That's my attitude. Now, you can call me on all you want, but anybody that knows me and has known me for some time, they know it's factual, 100% factual, and it is, you know. That's probably maybe a negative in my part because I can be really emotionally tied to a lot of your kids and your families, and you'd be rejoicing over their birthdays, and I'm going, they're getting too old, and I get upset about that stuff. You know, they're going, you're not their dad, and I'm going, I don't care. I remember when they were in diapers here. Now they're getting learner's permits. What the heck is that? I just say wait till they're 21 or they leave the church. 
but let's quit having to grow up so quick. It's so freaking me out. I mean, I already got two that are doing that to me right now. I got two teenagers, and I keep, I keep them at seven and eight right now, and I'm doing a good job, you know. But, you know. <laughs> um, so it's important to get together, better together, right? Let me give you some factual statements on church attendance. So you can say, okay, church ain't part-time. I'm going to make this my life. Church attendance is the number one predictor of marital stability. Attending church is helpful in the prevention of cancer, heart disease, and mental illness. These are facts. These aren't someone pulling them out of a hat. These are facts of doing statistics over the years for people that go to church regularly, not part-time. I go on Easter or Mother's Day because I was made to go. I'm talking about people that go to church, okay? Y'all hear that? Teens, listen to this. Teens who regularly attend church are four times less likely to commit suicide. Come on. Should we not get more teens in here? I know our teens, they have, they have a great time. They have great leaders. I mean, great vision, expectation for them. I love my teenagers here at Love Life. I love them. I think they're awesome. I, had, I have the privilege for the past couple of years of doing an internship with these guys and gals, and I'm just so proud of them. Great group of people, and we're expecting great things from each and every one of them. People who regularly attend church are more likely to remain married and have better sex life. Boom, there it is. <laughs> On average, church attend, I can just see the words, hear him, Henry. <laughs> you better stir it up, boy. <laughs> you better listen to that, pastor. <laughs> On average, church attendees stay half as long during hospital stays. Those attending church are five times less likely to require antibiotics. Dude, this is serious. I've lived this. I've lived, I've had broken ribs. I've gone through so many different things, and they'd be trying to put me on, you know, crack LSD or whatever those guys are trying to <laughs> I mean, the opioids are just like that, by the way. But, I mean, they'd be doing all kinds of trying to put and I'll just do, you got Tylenol? And they're going, you might need something stronger, and I'm going, no, nah, my faith and that Tylenol is going to be strong enough, because I already know, see, I, I've, already, I've already, you know, two close people, church Christians, uh, suicide because of opioids. So it hits home. Both successful in life. Successful. Had back problems, both of them. Bad back problems. One was even a, a fireman. Suicide. That ain't, that, that's not, I know these guys. I know them. That's nothing about who they are. That's what that stuff will do to you. Turn you into a monster. Both of them didn't do it in this church. They left my church. Had other things that were more important. I wouldn't allow it here. There's lower blood pressure among men who attend church versus those who do not. There's an additional average life expectancy of seven years. I got, we got seven years on those people out there. Man, you'd be walking around, you'd be looking at corpse out there now. You need to, hey, come to church, I'll give you seven years. Seven more years. Come to, seven years, seven year more. I'm telling you, is this cool? Seven years, that's awesome. People attending church report 50% higher weekly average family income. Dude, this is great. Churchgoers have fewer heart attacks than non-churchgoers. Churchgoers have fewer heart attacks. Those who attend religious services, go to church, in their youth have about $11,000 more in year of the year income by their year of 30. So they literally become more successful because of going to church. Man, is this awesome? Cities with high church attendance have the lowest crime rate. 
People attending church are physically healthier and less depressed. Alcohol abuse is 300% less for those that attend church regularly. Church attendance moves under, this is so awesome. Church attendance moves underprivileged out of poverty and into middle class quicker. Man, man, this is what church is about. Listen, all you have to do is talk story with these people. And they'll start telling you about life before and life after. I guarantee you, we can add them, we can add their story in statistics. I'm telling you, broken marriages, destroyed lives, uh, uh, no, no success in jobs, and all of a sudden, church attendance. Boom, there it is. And all of a sudden, we can add them to these statistics. See, church attendance doesn't mean an anointing in the building. It's the stuff that you're receiving in the attendance. It's the stuff that's making you healthier. It's the stuff that's getting you focused in on priority. It's the stuff that, that, that makes a father a dad. Are you hearing me? It changes things. See, without church attendance, I'd be raising my boys like I got raised. Guess what? They would have never felt love. They would have never seen that engagement of caring, hugs. They would have never heard the word, I love you. Why? Because that's my life. That's my life. They would have gotten not God-ordained spanking that was tied to their success and my love for them. No, they would have got the heck beat out of them by anything that I could get hold of. Rod, belt, clothes hanger, and it wouldn't be just one swat, it would be a beating. That's what they would receive. Their mom would have got smacked around a few times too. That's what they would have received. But see, I got involved in church. That doesn't change me. It doesn't make me perfect. It doesn't all of a sudden make me this saint. No. It gave me tools and information that said, you don't have to walk that journey no longer. There's something better. It didn't change me. It didn't. The information that I received changed me. And that ain't even a part of my life, nor is it a thought. Why? Because that old man is gone. Are you hearing me? Oh, my gosh. Sky's the limit, brothers and sisters. Sky's the limit. You think life's tough and bad? Listen, you, 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 you got to connect with this correctly. Church don't make you a good Christian. You do. You ought to be thanking God for that. Because it ain't up to the building. It ain't to me. It's all you. And that shouldn't be an issue. That'd be something you should be going, bam, I like that. I'm in control. Exactly. That's how each of you need to look at your lives because that's how God sees you. You are in control. And he says, choose life, young man. Choose life, young woman. Choose life. Choose life. Or you make another choice. Death. Destruction. But it's going to be your choice. And when I look at that, I don't see it as a negative. I say, good. I can't blame anyone. I'm going to start making right choices. And when you do, whoo, there's turnaround. I didn't say your journey's perfect. I didn't say it's going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. You're going to have challenges. You're going to have frustrations. You're going to have ups and downs. But you know what? None of that matters because that's exactly what life is about. You don't receive all knowledge instantly. It's a process. And that means you're going to fumble. You're going to stumble. You're going to trip up on the journey. But guess what? That's what life's about. The problem is we don't have the information to help us when we do trip. We got more people kicking us while we're down instead of trying to help us up. 
That's why life sucks out there, and that's why religion does. But when it comes down to God's word and what we believe here, we should be life givers, life restorers, building, encouraging. And when you fall, we should be the, you should have 10 hands going, come on, get up, you can do this. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. And when you start realizing this, this starts all making perfect sense of why God created church. We need one another. We do. We need each other. Because we're going to go through times that we can't get through just by ourselves. We need one another. We can't isolate. We become weak, sick. We need one another. But we need one another correctly. We need the iron sharpens iron. We need the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's what we need. We need that type of relationships happening. But that's us. That's us realizing our responsibility. No playing games, no playing religion. Man, anybody, any age should be able to come in this place and go, man, I got some good. It was good what I heard. It was good. Now, it doesn't mean everything's going to be all fluffy and acceptable and you're going to go, ooh. But what it does mean is the information you hear is going to go, wow. And it's going to challenge you. And it's going to question your truths, your thoughts, your beliefs. But that's okay. It's supposed to do that. It's supposed to say, are you sure you're believing the right way? Doesn't it make you a fool? Doesn't it make you wrong? It's okay. God, get this thing right. It's a process, and it'll continue to be this way. The smartest man besides Jesus ever, I believe, when it comes to this information was Paul. I believe more than anyone. And Paul, in his own writings, was saying, listen, I keep forgetting the past, and I keep pressing forward. I have not arrived. That's what he said. He knew more than anybody, anybody, when it came to New Testament, New Covenant. He knew so much more that Peter, the head of the apostles, went, when Paul speaks, it is too smart. It's above my head. It's above my pay grade. Paul, his information is heavy, heavy. And Paul does what? I haven't got it together. When I want to do right, I don't do right. When I want to do good, I don't do good. Oh, man, sometimes I'm so bad. I can't believe it. What a wretched guy I am sometimes. That's Paul. And then we look at our lives with other Christians. You did what? You're not even saved. You did what? How dare you? You did what? And the one going, you did what, is doing it three times worse. It's crazy. Ought not to be so, my brothers and sisters. Sound good? No. So we look at these things, we start realizing, listen, I want you to look at this scripture. Uh, look at Matthew. I'm going to show you the clearest picture of why we need friends. All right? The clearest picture of why we need community. One thing that has helped me in my maturity as a believer, as a follower, is as I took notice of something early on in my walk that has helped me quite a bit when it comes down to doctrine. And doctrine is, is the foundation truth, truths that un, are unmovable in my life, okay? So these are truths, these are foundational keys for my life and understanding this, this life, this Bible. And it's tied to Jesus. Now, I have, I have many truths, foundations that I built through Scripture, but the quickest, fastest ones are the ones that I go, okay, Jesus did this how Jesus does it. This is what Jesus said. This is how Jesus, all right, boom, there it is. No denying it, there it is, clear as picture. And then I recognize, I understand that Jesus is revealing and showing the Father 100%. So whatever you see Jesus do, it's actually the Father. You can talk Jesus all you want. You can go, oh, Dale, that's Jesus. Jesus is so nice. Jesus is so loving. You, then you need to do this. God is so nice. God is so loving. 
Because out of the mouth of Jesus, who does not lie, said, if you hear me or if you see me, anything I do, it's the Father. So you might not get that in your head right now, that that Jesus is the Father and the Father is Jesus. It is the same picture. So now you can't have that, well, God's judging and God's, because you won't say Jesus is judging or Jesus is causing. You won't do that. Am I, am I being clear? All right. So don't play that game. Jesus made it very clear. I and the Father are one. He who sees me sees the Father. Thomas, have you not been with me long enough to know that he who sees me sees the Father? I am he. He is me. We are one. That's why I have this so awesome picture of my Father. It took a while to get there because I didn't see the connection. But this Bible's never changed over thousands of years. What happened? I wasn't being taught right. And there's a whole lot of people in churches that aren't taught right. They're taught their denomination. They're taught their doctrines. I want truth. Because truth ultimately will set you free. If it ain't setting you free, it ain't truth. Amen? It'll set you free. So I got this picture that's beautiful, and that is this. Who is Jesus? He is God in the flesh. He's the son of God. He's born of a virgin. Now think about this. Jesus walked this earth perfect. If there's anyone on planet earth that can say, I think I want to be a loner because these guys are real idiots, would be Jesus. Would you not agree? If anyone on this earth could say, you know what? They don't get me. I know, I know my information goes right over their head. I mean, it's just like I'm talking to brick. <laughs> are you guys with me? If there's anyone, Jesus would be the one to say, I don't need these guys. They're messed up Big time. Correct. Yes or no? If there's anyone on planet Earth, it should be the Son of God that says, I can do this on my own. I'm God in the flesh. Anyone could be the one that says, I don't need anybody. It would be Jesus. Right? Then what does Jesus do? He says, hey, come. I need you. Hey, you over. Come. I need you. Hey, follow me. Follow me. You over there. Come here. Come here. Follow me. Twelve guys. Twelve messed up guys. Not twelve of the highest educated ones. Twelve losers. Hey, guys. Come with me. You think Jesus needs them? I need them. They're valuable tools in ministry. Are you kidding me? What, what does Jesus need those 12 guys for? Most of the time, they're messing things up. Most of the time, they're just speaking out of turn. Most of the time, they're going, Jesus, you don't care about us. You're going to let us die. Waking him up from a good nap. You are going us to die. You don't care. Jesus is like going, oh, my gosh. Peace be still. Where's your faith, boys? If I was Jesus, I would have said, get out of the boat. Drown, all of you. I'm done with you. I'll get 12 different ones. Thank God I'm not Jesus. But, but think about this. This is, this is the Jesus, the Lord we serve, that we're to, we're to mimic, we're to look at him and go, I need to be more like Jesus, right? And then what do we see? We see Jesus at the highest high, and he says, Peter, James, John, come with me. And they take them up on a mountain. And Moses and Elijah, boom, show up. And Peter, James, and John are right there. And all of a sudden, God says, hey, listen to my son. Pay attention to him. I mean, this is like awesome, awesome. But then there's another story, another picture. The Garden of Gethsemane. And that's what we're going to read right now. Because this is a revelation that changed my life concerning the importance of community. 
Jesus went to the olive, Matthew 26, 36, the olive grove called Gethsemane, said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him and became anguished and distressed. He told Peter, James, and John, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Are you guys hearing this? You think Jesus just blown smoke to them? No. He literally, in his emotion, in his body, connected to that emotion, which is exactly how we live, you become sad, you become fearful, you feel anxiety, your body starts breaking down. This is medical science, this is proven fact. When you are sad, when you are lonely, oppression comes. When you are sad, when you have anxiety, when you have fear, when you have worry, your body starts getting sick. I'm not making this up. This is facts. This is science. It's proven. Just as laughter is as medicine, science is proven. Medical science proven. Joy and laughter brings healing and restoration. Whoa. Exactly. Some of the Bible has talked about thousands of years ago. Science catches up. Same way all the time. Now listen to me. Jesus says, my body's shutting down. I mean, in his emotion of what was going on, he's at a low. He says, I'm, my body's dying right now. Peter, James, John. Do you guys even understand that before this event, they all sitting there telling Jesus, we would never deny you. Peter's going, you don't need to go to the cross. Jesus rebuking the devil. That's in the scripture before this event. I wouldn't take one of them with me. And what does Jesus do? Peter, James, John. Why? Why? Why are you taking those three with you? Why? You just told Peter he's going to deny you three times. Why are you taking those three with you? Takes them with you. He says, you guys, I need you to pray with me. Pray with me. Stand with me. He goes over here. He starts praying. He's overcoming this, this flesh and this attitude of, trying to get out of it, and he says, no, not my will, your will, Father, your will, Father. Guys, God, get up! They're sleeping! He went a little farther, bowed his face to the ground. Father, is it possible? Let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I, I want your will be done, not mine. Then he returned to Peter, James, and John. He found them asleep. He said, Peter, couldn't you watch just one hour? What? Keep watch and pray so that you'll not be given into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body's weak. Then Jesus leaves them a second time. He prays, Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. He returns, and they're sleeping again. Let me ask you something, straight up. Do you honestly believe that Jesus took those guys thinking that their prayers would be powerful and help them? Do you think that he's thinking that Peter, James, and John have such an anointing that'll strengthen him? Do you honestly think that Peter, James, and John, in him knowing them for so long, that he believed their, their prayer could do something about this? Come on, people. What did he need? He needed them. He just needed them to be there. He's hearing this. The Lord Jesus, the Son of God, he needed his buddies. They're messed up. They're goofy, 
they say and do dumb things. Am I, am I talking about someone's best friend right now? Come on. Isn't there a time where you've been where you're such distress and things are so bad and, and that friend that's with you, you know there's nothing they can say or do that's going to fix anything. But they're there. But they're there. They can't say anything. They can't do anything. But just having them there. And you know what? That's exactly what Jesus shows us. They're messed up. He just went through hell. And what does he do? He starts ministering to Peter that was sleeping. What? This Lord, man, is he's beyond. When we sing about the goodness of God, when we sing about his faithfulness, some of you, you're not connecting with this because you don't know him. I want you to know him. I want you to get to know him like we know him in the Bible. We don't know religious God. We know Papa God. We don't know religious Bible. We know life, life truths. That's what we know. And that's what this DNA of love life should be. When we leave these, this building, that should be who we are out there. Giving hope, life, love, expectancy, encouraging, building. There ought not be one of us where one member calls the other and says, you know, my marriage is really screwed. And the other one goes, yeah, give up. I hate mine too. That's the other church, not this church. This church should be, don't talk that way. Let's speak right. Let's speak truth. Let's believe God together. You are going to win. You're going to overcome. In other words, what, we don't play that. We don't want to be that. Now, you might be thinking, wow, you guys all perfect? No, but we're striving to be better because there ain't no such thing as perfect. They came out with a new iPhone. It blows away the old one. I thought the old one was perfect. They just screw with me. Are you guys hearing me? This is what life's about. So now we engage correctly. This is a good thing. We come together to hear this kind of stuff, and then we go, we go out there, and we're going to do the other part of life, and that is live this stuff. Why? Because it's not religion. It's not this Christianese talking. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. Don't do that. That's goofiness. You want to say hi to someone? Say, hola, que tal? Say hi. It just came out, man. It just came out of me. Pray for me, brother. I know it's crazy, huh? Whatever. All right, let me calm myself down. I had a good close going too. But it always does this. Are you guys listening? So what do we do? Let's pay attention. Let's, let's look at this stuff and go, man, this is too good. I mean, this is Jesus. Look at him. He's going through. He's just going through. He is going to be separated from the Father. He's going to take your curse, your sins, and put them on him. And he don't deserve nothing. <laughs> nothing. He hasn't done anything to deserve this. Love compels him. Love compels him. There ain't no religion out there that can touch the truth of this. None of them. They all messed up compared to this. That's why, how can anybody not want this? Because it's been taught religiously too long. And it's time for life to start rising up. It's time for truth to start rising up. So we can start to this. We can start going to these young people and start saying, listen, yeah, I know you hate church, religion, all that. I do too, but come to my place. Because you ain't gonna, it ain't the same place. It ain't the same place. Just come here. Come to this place. It's all different. Well, the church hurt me. Okay, so what? It's, this church didn't hurt you. No, church hurt me. Then you go like this. Okay, I hear you. Let me help you. Have you ever got food poisoning at a restaurant? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I have. Have you ate at other restaurants? Well, yeah. Why? That restaurant hurt you. Don't ever go to any restaurants. That restaurant hurt you. Common sense, right? But what do you guys do when you got messed up at a restaurant? That waiter hurt me. That waitress hurt me. And you don't ever go to a restaurant anymore. 
right? See what I'm saying? That ain't happening. But we do that with church. Is that messed up? Exactly. Don't listen to the enemy. He's a liar. Don't listen to him. This place is life, and it'll produce life for you because we believe in this truth. And this truth has everything to do with life. Not Sunday morning, not just for church stuff. Life, 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 life. Y'all got that? Let's live it correctly. Let's enjoy it. It, It's the greatest experience there is. I, I see Jesus going through so much, so much pain, so much hurt. He just rebuked Peter. He said, Satan, get behind me. Peter, shut up. Quit listening to the devil. Quit trying to stop me from going to the cross. I have to go to the cross. Callate. All right, this is all right up front. Now Peter's in Gethsemane, sleeping on the job. And what does Jesus do? What every person should do, smack his face. But see, what what does Jesus do? He says, I only do what the Father does. Let me reveal something right now to you guys. I'm going through stress. I'm going through pressures. I'm going through all kinds of stuff. And these guys aren't doing what they should do. I come to them and I say what? Peter, you got to learn to take authority over this, buddy. What's he caring about? The denial that's about to take place. And he's trying to get Peter an out. Right before the cross, he's trying to help his buddy Peter. Not perfect Peter, not Peter spiritual, goofy Peter, like we are. Don't you ever think that the Lord Jesus is going to ever give up you because he'll never give up on you and he'll never quit. And he'll constantly, constantly, I don't care if you denied him, he'll constantly come to your place and knock on your door and say, come on. Let's get back on the journey together. That's the Lord we serve. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.